Well, are you ready, ready? I've been ready because, uh, you know, when, when there are certain times where sermons come through much study, much labor and prayer, much meditation and human effort. And uh, I mean, it, that, that's fine for them to come that way. But some sermons come just like on a download. And I got a download yesterday. Praise God. I just love it when it comes like that because it's light and easy for the sermon to come out like that. And then uh, Dr. Harold Schultz, one of our deacons, came and he had a prophetic dream he said this morning. And it confirmed what I'm to preach this morning. Praise God. I don't have time to tell it, but it just really encouraged me. The Holy Ghost is moving. And so you're in the right place. Come on at the right time. Wherever you are, you're watching the right feed. God knew you were going to be here. You know, I'm not preaching to the empty seats. I'm preaching to you. God knew who's going to be here. And so I'd like you to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 21. Now we're, we're shifting, you know, from our series we've been in on the Word of God. But don't lose it. Don't lose sight of it. Don't forget it. What Word are we preaching out of today? The Word of God. The divinely inspired God-breathed authoritative Word of God. That's what we're reading out of and talking about today. Amen. Today is a healing day. Glory to God. God spoke to me on the way over here. It's just fellowshipping with Him on the drive over. And He said, you know, it's past time to get sickness out of the body of Christ. And I agree. I said, I agree with you, Father. It's past time. The body of Christ is as sick of the, as the world. And that's a shame. Um, it's not supposed to be that way. Um, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And I know you've heard that phrase, uh, I'll have what he's having. I'll have what she's having. Well, I'm not having what the world's having. I'm just not. Amen. You know, the world is living. The un when I say the world, I'm talking about the unsaved world. They are living under a curse. They are cursed people. It's not because God doesn't love them. But the curse that came upon the world because of Adam's transgression dominates the world out there that we live in. You realize that? He cursed Eve. He cursed man. He cursed the devil. And there's tragedy out there. There's poverty out there. There's all kinds of calamity out there. There's disease out there. And it was all brought upon the human race because of sin. Had there not been any sin, there wouldn't be any negative stuff out there. There wouldn't be any darkness. There wouldn't be any sex trafficking. There wouldn't be any pornography. There'd just be blessing and provision and health and long life. And one day it'll be that way again on planet Earth. But as a believer, as someone who has been redeemed, and bought by the blood of Jesus, you have to learn how to be in this world, live in this world, come on, unaffected and separate from what the world is experiencing. And it takes a lot of what we've been talking about. It takes knowledge to do that. It takes faith to do that. Are you with me? Uh, amen. And so, but that's why we're, we're teaching about some of these things. Luke chapter 21, verse number 7, and we're going to read through verse 11. Here Jesus was asked, uh, he, they were taking a tour, just like what we we're going to do, Lord willing, in 2021. There's a good group of us going to Israel and going to take a tour, and we're going to look at the walls and look at the temple and look at all, of course, there's no temple there anymore. Uh, and that's what they were doing. And, uh, but then Jesus said, you see all of this? Talking about the temple. He said, there's coming a day where all of it, not one stone will be left upon another. It'll all be torn down. And, and of course, that came to pass. And that prompted the disciples to ask him a question. And they said, well, what will be the sign uh, of these things happening? And what will be the sign of the end of the world? If you have a King James Bible, it says the end of the world. And people mistakenly take that and say the world's going to end. The, the Greek word there is not uh, world, cosmos. It's eon, where we get the word eon. It's a period of time. So uh, more accurate translations would say age. 
the end of the age. That's what's going to end, not the earth. The age. What age? What time frame? The church age. The age of the church will come to an end. Could happen at any moment. I might not get this sermon out. The trumpet could blast. We'd be caught away. We'll all be looking around going, wow, that was different. <laughs> Amen. Could it just happen suddenly? And so they asked Jesus this question. And uh, in verse 7 it says, And they asked Him, saying, Master, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And He said, Take heed that you be not deceived. You ought to go get my book out there if you've never read it. Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, or I am the Messiah, I am the Anointed One. And the time draweth near, go ye not after them. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions... Now listen, if you don't have this marked yet on market, be not terrified. Listen, we're li we are as deep into the last days of the church age of any member of the church age. Obviously, that'll just be obvious to you, right? We are the ones. <laughs> We've gone the deepest into the church age. We're deeper than Paul, deeper than Peter, deeper than Brother Hagin, deeper than all of them so far. And as we go deeper into the last days, Jesus is telling us, you better watch out about deception. That's thinking things are true that are not true. Believing things are true that are not true. That's what it means to be deceived. And then he says, you're going to hear of some stuff, right? And he said, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end, talking about the end of the age, is not by and by. Then said he unto them, verse 10, nation shall rise against nation. Now really, uh, of course, it's fine to think of that as borders and kings, but that's not what this Greek word is. This is ethnos, meaning ethnic group. Really what he's saying is ethnic group shall rise up against ethnic group. And that's really what you have. You've got uh, Muslims fighting Christians and, you know, you just got uh, tribal stuff going on everywhere. That's really what he's talking about. Ethnic group rising up against eth ethnic group. And then look at verse 11. Kingdom against kingdom. And now verse 11. And great earthquake, earthquakes shall be in divers or different places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs there shall be from heaven. Now, we got the world out there is on fire this week over a virus. And you can't go to, you can't go to certain countries. Uh, my wife was like, you ought to really check your heart about going to Mexico. President Trump might not let you back in. Well, praise God, that's good counsel. That's good advice, and I will uh, be led by the Spirit in these things. But you've got historical panic drops in the stock market. You've got people out buying masks that won't filter out the virus. You've got the world out there in absolute sheer terror panic over something they heard on the news. So I am here in the name of the Lord to tell you, simmer down. Chill. Can you hear God saying, I got this? Well, if you don't got this, we're going to help you get this before the service is over. Amen. In the midst of all these signs, all of these things that he's talked about, and he, he described them as birth pangs. These are beginning of sorrows. That word is birth pangs, meaning it's like a, a woman, a pregnant woman going into labor. You have a contraction start, but it's maybe mild in the beginning and spaced out. But as you get closer to birth time, they get intense and closer together. And that's the way these signs are going to be. So whatever you're hearing out there, it's going to get more intense. It's going to get more worser. That's bad English, right? It's going to get badder and badder, worser and worser. And if you don't get your mind renewed, amen, and I mean Christians out there, really start listening where they've just been coming to church. Better start listening and taking things to heart and applying things because this little 
coronavirus deal is small potatoes compared to no doubt what's coming on planet earth. And then the devil, you know, he's working a plan out there in the world. He's put out Hollywood movies like uh, World War Z and uh, Outbreak and uh, The Last Ship. And there's just books and novels and movies galore about the end of the world. With our, we're bleeding out our eyes and our ears and turning into zombies. So he's just got fear sown into the hearts of people. Christian, don't fall for it. Now, you ought to be scared if you don't do the right thing. And if you don't know the right thing. But if you do, the Lord's got you covered. Let me read uh, Luke 21, 11 from the Amplified Translation. From the Amplified, it says, Jesus said, There will be mighty and violent earthquakes, and in various places, famines and pestilences. Now notice how the Amplified defines the Greek word for pestilences. Plagues, malignant and contagious or infectious epidemic diseases. Well, that's what they're talking about. There's malignancy, contagious or infectious epidemic diseases which are deadly and devastating. Oh, I know, that's what I'm scared about. <laughs> We're going to help you. And it says, Jesus said, And there will be sights of terror and great signs from heaven. Now that doesn't mean God's that means the spirit realm. Great signs from the spirit realm. Now, the God's Word translation says dreadful diseases. The Moffat's translation says pestilence here and pestilence there. <laughs> New Living Translation says plagues in many lands. So he's telling us this so that we'll know ahead of time. He's telling us, though, don't let your heart be troubled. He's telling us, be not terrified. Now, if the church is to be lumped in with the world, and we got an equal chance of getting whatever contagious disease is coming down the pike as any person out there, well, then I'm going to have to be terrified. But if I'm not going to, if he doesn't want me terrified, there must be a solution, a protection, a hedge, uh, some sort of divine provision that God has made where there's no cause for me to be terrified. So the title of my message today is No Plague. No Plague. Amen. I told you we are in the world, but we are not of the world. All over the Bible, that, that truth is sprinkled. John 15, John 17. We are not of the world. We are born of God. And, and that's, we don't just hold, you know, uh, when we go to the movies, my wife and I, we'll go see Dr. Doolittle. That was a good movie. It's real cute. And uh, I've seen it twice. So they give you a little ticket, right? I, that's my access. If I leave the movie theater, I can get back in because I got my little ticket. Most people, that's what they think being saved is. That's what they think. They're no different than Joe Blow out there, except they carry around a little ticket in their pocket that they're going to pull out when they die and gain access to heaven. Now, your name is written, and you are registered. But the moment you received Jesus, you became the recipient of eternal life. The fountain of youth moved into your spirit. Jesus said, He that believes upon me shall never die. Shall never die. Then he clarified because people have goofy thinking. He wasn't talking about dying physically. Many have died since physically. The Lord tarries His coming. One day you'll die physically. But he says, really, the real you, the spirit, the soul, never die. How come? Because you've got eternal life living on the inside of you. And that eternal life is to have an effect. Amen. Y'all with me today? Y'all are real quiet. Amen. Have an effect on your daily walk. So because we are of God and we are in the world but not of the world, we are to live in the world. Yes, it's dangerous. Amen. 
It's dominated by a curse, but we are to live untouched and unaffected. Can you say that? Untouched, unaffected. You need to get that in your heart. You need to get that in your mind. Whatever's coming down the pike, I will be unaffected by it. I will be untouched by it. I am redeemed. Yes, glory to God. I am going to live my life untouched and unaffected by the curses and the calamities and the famines that are coming upon the world. How about you? Turn your Bible with me too. Staples did a weird thing on me today. Um, to Galatians chapter 3. Mm, we're going to have some fun for a few minutes. Are you ready? Hallelujah. I love this truth. Glory to God. Galatians chapter number 3. Thank you, thank you. Galatians chapter number 3. Verse number 13 and 14. Christ will someday. Oh, thank you. Christ hath, has. Got to pay attention to your tenses when you read your Bible. This is something, this was past tense when Paul wrote it. That was a while ago, y'all. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Did he hang on a tree? Absolutely, he hung on a tree. Why did he do it? That's right. Notice he didn't take the curse. It says he became one. Being made a curse. Notice this substitutionary phrase, for us. When I read it individually, I, I see and, and see it as and say, for me. Jesus hung on that cross and became a curse for me. He became a curse for me. He became a curse for you. Come on, for you. This is personal. Hallelujah. You were there that day in the Spirit, your price being paid. Now, why did He do it? Verse 14 tells us that, or as I like to say, so that, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Jesus took our sin and He bore the curse. He took all the bad so that we might get the good, the blessing of Abraham. Now, I would like for you, if you want to, to... Find me in the book of Genesis a day in the life of Abraham where he had a cold, he had a, he had a sickness, he had a sore throat, he had cancer, he had a disease. Uh, for two years in his life, God tried to teach him something by uh, making him walk with a knee out of joint. If you, if you get interested and find out, and of course it doesn't tell us about every day in Abraham's life. I do understand that. But tell us, you know, it does tell us about how he died. Old, gray, full of ears. He had eyes that saw. He had ears that heard. He was blessed in every way. We know something God did for His body. We know He couldn't have a child because something was wrong with His and Sarah's bodies. But they had a child because God fixed that. Amen. So Jesus bore the curse. Christ has already redeemed you and I from the curse of the law. That the blessing of Abraham might come on us. Do you know you have a right to say the blessings of Abraham are mine? The ble but I don't know, Pastor Chris, I'm not a Jew. These, these were Jews. No, Galatians, the area of Galatia, these are Gentile people that he's writing to. Skip all the way down before we leave here uh, to... The, I think it's the last verse. <clears throat> Let's read verse 28 and 29 of chapter 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek, meaning in Christ. Last phrase of uh, verse 27 says, We have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. 
There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now notice this, verse 29. And if you be Christ, stop, is that you? If you be Christ, if you belong to Christ, then are, what tense is that? Present tense. Then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? The promise that God made Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, 15, 17, 18. Glory to God, the blessing of Abraham belongs to you. It belongs to me. Now Galatians 3.13, turn to Deuteronomy 28 if you like, specifically says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now he's referring to the law of Moses. You remember that? And basically, God laid out in that time frame for those Jews, He came into a covenant with them. And you know, the very first thing He came into covenant with them about was healing. He had to do ten mighty signs and wonders to get Pharaoh to let his people go. And the moment they got out, very far in the wilderness, past the Red Sea, they had a moment to breathe. God said, if you'll follow me, believe me, and do what I tell you to do, I will not allow any of the sicknesses and diseases that I allowed to come on Egypt to come on you, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's the first covenant promise He made. He revealed Himself to them as their healer. Yeah, but that's that's their covenant. Well, the Bible says for us in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, that we're in a new covenant that is based on better promises. Everyone say, better promises. Well, if, if God is not our covenant healer, then they had a better covenant than we do now today. I'd rather go back there and have a healer than live in the new covenant where healing's passed away. You just have to scratch out that verse. The Bible falls apart. It's not God's word. God lied if healing's not for us today because they had a covenant of healing. Now, he told them in Deuteronomy 28, most of the time when we go there, we we just read the first 14 verses. (laughs) But there's 65 verses in that chapter. You know, and it it, it opens up with, hey, if you'll hearken unto my voice diligently, believe me, do what I say, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And those blessings in the remaining 13 verses encompass every aspect of your life. But from verses 15 through verse 65, he makes it unequivocally clear what will come upon a person that rejects God, disobeys God, does not walk in the light of His Word. It's called a curse. And it's not because God's ticked about it. He's just saying, the only way I can protect you in this curse-dominated world is for you to walk in the light of a covenant with me. And he even made provision for them through the Levitical priesthood and sacrifice. When you blow it, Here's how you get back into my good graces under this covenant. You know, and as long as they did that, there's none sick among them. There was not less than one million people walked out of Egypt that day. One million. And think about about if all McCracken County decided to do an exodus to Nashville. Think about what we would need in the natural. What do we got? 85,000 people in McCracken County. 85, 90,000 people. Think how many walkers we're going to need. Think how many wheelchairs we're going to need. Think about how many canes we're going to need. Think about how many IVs on wheels we're going to need to get everyone out. But the Bible says that they all walked out and that there was not one feeble among their tribes. Not one that couldn't walk under their own power in the wilderness, in the desert. They are all on, right? No, there's no stretchers going out of Egypt. No ambulances. No hella flights. They all walked. Read your Bible. They all walked out. Praise God. The old ones, the young ones, the pregnant ones, the, all of them. Under an old covenant. Before Jesus shed His blood. Before Jesus went to the whipping post. Come on. We're living in the new covenant. You see what God is saying? It's time to get sickness, disease, pain out of the body of Christ. Oh, I just pray for the body of Christ that they get a clue. Break free from religious tradition. I'm telling you, it's a killer. Literally. 
Religious tradition has murdered Christians, killed them. Absolutely. Preaching good. So I just want to read. Uh, a, I'm gonna, if you want to jot it down, I'm just going to read a little salt and pepper sprinkling from these verses about the curse of the law. Because he said we're redeemed from the curse of the law. So what I'm about to read to you, we're living in the light of Galatians 3.13 today. So all that I'm about to read to you about, we are redeemed from. That's what you need to hear. All of this stuff, and you ought to read it sometime, the whole thing. You're redeemed from poverty. You're redeemed from tragedy. You're redeemed from destruction. You're redeemed from headaches. You're redeemed, anyway. So according to this little, this book I have on uh, scripture translations, this little paragraph I'm about to read you is verse 21, 22, 27, 28, 59, 60, 61, and 65. So it'd be good for you just to maybe listen to me, okay? So here it says, The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he has consumed thee from off the land, whither you go to possess it. The Lord will smite you with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation. Now these are all things you're what? Redeemed from. And with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew. And they will pursue thee until you perish. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt and with emeralds, that's hemorrhoids, right? And with the scab and with the itch of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will smite you with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. The Lord will smite thee in the knees and in the legs with the sore botch that cannot be healed. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head. Then the Lord will make your plagues wonderful and the plagues of your seed, meaning your children, even great plagues and of long continuance. That means you're going to have this sickness a long time and sore sicknesses, and of a long continuance. Moreover, He will bring upon thee, think about this, all of the diseases of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world which you were afraid of, and they will cleave unto you. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, there's your coronavirus right there, them will the Lord bring upon thee until you be destroyed. The Lord shall give thee uh, there a trembling heart, failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. Now, this is the curse that comes upon the world for disobeying God, for breaking His laws, for not walking in obedience, for not worshiping Him, for not loving Him. Now, Galatians 3.13. You don't have to go there. What did it say? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law or everything I just read now this last verse verse 65 talks about all of the plagues in the book and all of the diseases that will come upon planet earth that are not named are included in the curse of the law and you're redeemed from them all now that deserved a better amen than you gave that's better news than you reacted to yeah you know let me go back and help you here. Brother Hagin said, you, you know why the word doesn't work more for some people? They're not excited about it. He said the word will work for you when you get excited about it. I am excited about being redeemed from the coronavirus. I am excited that I am redeemed from every sickness, every disease, Every plague. I'm not going out like my granddaddy did. I know something my granddaddy didn't know. He just didn't know it. He's not a bad guy, but he just didn't know. But God brought me the knowledge, and I've got faith in the knowledge I have. Glory to God. Now, I've got this book of, it's a collection of different translations. So, we're talking about coronavirus and what the world's on fire about. And uh, that we're redeemed from it. Talking about no plague. So here are some different, here's a phrase, uh, it says pestilence in here. The Good News Bible and the Basic Bible say disease after disease. See, I'm redeemed from it. I'm redeemed, for, I'm redeemed from disease after disease. The, you heard the word consumption. You, most of us know that medically that's tuberculosis. Or it includes, according to the Good News Bible, all infectious diseases. All infectious diseases, we're redeemed from it. The basic translation says, translates it wasting disease. Diseases that cause human beings to just waste away to nothing. I'm redeemed from that. I'll never have that. 
I'm not afraid of it. And I'm not buying a mask. I'm not getting on the waiting list. Now, whatever you need to do, it's like I heard Dr. Jacobs, I was painting a wall and listening to him. He's not against it. I'm not either. If the flu shot helps, you get one. But this is my flu shot. It's been my flu shot. I've never had a flu shot. And I hear people, I say, well, well follow up on so-and-so. They're, they hadn't been in services for two weeks. And I, we find out they, had to, they took the flu shot. And I, I know that's not everybody's reaction, but if you get sick for two weeks and can't come to church for two weeks because you took a flu shot, it's supposed to keep you from getting the flu. I don't get that. Now again, my faith is developed to a degree yours might not be. If you need it, take it. You need to go to the doctor, go. Get help. But I'm telling you, there's help in the Word. Amen. We heard the word inflammation. Now, uh, basically out there in Americans, how much, most of what ails you day to day has something to do with inflammation. Right? And we're redeemed from it. Inflammation can't prevail in my body. It might yours, but it can't mine. Because I say so. Hallelujah. And you could say so. You just decide to be a big girl about it. Come on. Be a big boy about it. So the Septuagint translation translate the word inflammation as cold. See, I don't get colds. I don't pick up viruses. I don't catch things. Why would you say that as a Christian? I caught. Put your hand down then. Take your glove off. It's like I reached up like a homer was going over the wall and I reached out there and I caught me a virus. And people say weird things. They say things like, well, you know what's going around. I'm sure I'll get it. You know, I'm a school teacher. All those snot-nosed kids, I get everything they bring. Stop saying that. Joy's a school teacher. How many days have you missed because of sickness and disease? I can't think of any. Are you with me today? Uh, the Moffat's in the Knox translation translates inflammation as malarial fevers. Uh, the New Living Bible says, uh, or the Living Bible translates it as infections. So let me just read to you some of this list uh, from modernized translations. Uh, extreme burning, sunstroke, redeemed from it. Drought, blight, paleness, jaundice, the botch of Egypt, that's inflammatory disease, ulcers, sores. We're redeemed from it. Botch of Egypt, that's a boil. Uh, I, I, my, I think it was one of my grandpas that had boils. Oh, awful, just terrible. You suffer with that. I, I'm never going to have a boil. I just decide not to. <laughs> Amen. Emeralds, this is translated tumors, hemorrhoids, ulcers, uh, ulcers swellings of the groin, sores, uh, insema, incurable itch, malignant scab, festering sores, all sorts of skin diseases fits under the word itch. Didn't he say madness? We heard the word madness. That's insanity. Uh, I like the Good News Bible. Losing your mind. See, this is such good news. If you'll believe this, renew your mind to it, and make it part of your daily confession, you'll never have dementia. You'll never be senile. You'll never lose your memory. You'll never have Alzheimer's. We won't have to wipe the drool. And I'm not making fun. I'm just saying you'll never be shut up in one of those awful nursing homes forgotten about because you lost your mind. I'm redeemed from that. I'm going out of here like Jacob. I'm going out of here like Moses. I'm going out of here like Brother Hagen. Now, I understand. I understand what my tone and my words sound like to a religiously trained Christian. It sounds arrogant, doesn't it? There's not an ounce of arrogance in that. It's confidence. And I didn't get that way overnight. Listen, I've been, I've been feeding on healing almost on a daily basis. If there's a book out there on healing, I probably read it. If there's a sermon out there on healing that's any good, I probably listened to it. I've been preaching it for over 20 years. You just have to have enough faith and look at it in your Bible and to stick around long enough to figure out that what I'm saying is true. Because it's in the Word, not because I say it. Here's one we could put our faith on. Knox translates madness as distracted. 
Hello. Basic translates it a diseased mind. You know your mind is not your brain. And your brain is not your mind. You understand that, right? Your mind is a function of your eternal soul. But your mind uses the organ called the brain. You know your brain can get sick like your heart or your pancreas or your liver can get sick, but you're redeemed from it. But then some people's souls get diseased with wrong thinking. And then they talk themselves into all sorts of difficulties. Don't do that. He said astonishment of heart. That's distraction of mind. Confusion. Confusion of mind. Dismay. You get it out there on the stock market and watch what's happening out there. And they are confused, dismayed, crazed in thy wits is one translation. Panic is another one. See, panic, that is a curse of the law. You're redeemed from panic. So don't say, I have panic attacks. If they come, resist them. See, you have to... The question comes up, if this is all true and you're reading from the Scripture, Pastor Chris, I don't understand why so many Christians are affected by these things. Well, they don't know. You've got to get this understood. Nothing good from God shows up in your life automatic. Now, I'm going to pray and minister and lay hands on the sick before we leave today. And, uh, you know, I, I've had people come and say, you know, Pastor Chris, I just, I, I believe in healing too, but I just wonder, I see all the people praying over some people and, and God just never does it. Listen, why are we thinking that? We shouldn't think that. It's not God failing. So if we lay hands on, you know, on people that don't, that don't receive, the question ought to be, I don't understand why they don't get it, why they don't receive. The problem's not on God's side, my friend. The problem would be on man's side. Let's stop questioning God. I wonder why God's... When is He ever going to show up and, 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 and raise up the lame? And, and we want to see... Well, it's not on God's side. He's not the one missing it. It's man that's missing it. Nothing... Salvation does not come automatic. It's paid for. But you have to receive it. The baptism with the Holy Ghost is for every Christian, but you have to receive it. Some people, they read their Bibles with religiously brainwashed glasses on, and they just they got this image of Jesus walking around Jerusalem, forcing healing on every person. I just read it this week. It says that He healed many. Now, in some instances, if you were in the crusade, it said He healed them all. But there were lots of instances where Jesus healed a lot of people, but some of them didn't get it. In one place in Luke chapter 5, people have pressed, packed this little house out. And the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. But only one boy got it. The boy they let down through the roof. The Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal all of them. But only one got it. Did Jesus fail? No, the people failed. The people failed to receive from Jesus what was available. That's not God's fault. Amen. I know, I know, I can hear you out there thinking about, well, I know my grandmama believed. No, she didn't. Because if she believed, she would have got it. That's a hard truth, isn't it? But no, the Bible says, he that believeth hath. So whoever you looked on and you said, I know they believed and God didn't do it. You lied. Sweetly, I understand, but that's, that can't be right. It's quiet. God's let down no person. No person came to God and said, save me, save me, Jesus, save me, save me. He goes, not today. Not doing it, don't feel like it. You cross some line with me. No, no. How many does it? All who come unto Him, what does the Bible say? He will in no wise cast them out. So if someone doesn't get saved, no one's going to be able on Judgment Day to be able to stand their bony finger at God and say, you didn't save me. I wanted to be saved. I met the condition. I, I confessed in my heart and believed. I believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead and I repented to you and here I am in the hell line. No. No. 
Y'all get that, right? No, that's not how that's going to go down. A lot of people, it looks like they're praying earnestly, and they are, but they're praying in fear. They're not praying in faith, they're praying in fear. I've done it. I did that when my mom was in crisis. It didn't work. She died. It's not my fault. I mean, it's, it's not... God, God told me later He wouldn't have been able to answer my prayer even if I was in faith anyway because it was on her side. 58 years old, been alive all long, all long enough on planet Earth, you have to do something with the Bible. Are you all here today? You gone home? Listen, I understand the area of healing. Very sincere people have very sincere questions. And there's no problem with that. I did. I did about my grandpa. I did about testimonies I heard. People get up and say, God gave me cancer so I could get people saved in the cancer ward. I, I had all those questions. Amen? But if you stick around long enough and you study your Bible closely enough, God will answer all of your questions. And I can hear you out there again. What about Job? Well, if you stick around or go to my bookstore, I've taught about Job. That's Job's fault. Job said, I fear to fear. And the thing I feared came upon me. <laughs> he feared getting sick. He feared losing everything. He feared losing his kids. And it all happened to him. If Job did everything perfect and God and Satan, he was just an innocent pawn between uh, God and Satan having an arm wrestling match, then why did Job have to repent at the end of the book of Job in order for God to heal him? People read the first chapter of Job, the second chapter of Job, they never read it long enough to get to the 42nd chapter of Job. The moment Job repented, God healed him and blessed him with the double. And Job lived to be like 175 years old and he was only sick for about nine months. People are ignorant. I'm not making fun, I'm just telling you. Amen? Okay. Plagues. The word plagues. We're almost going to step into something new here and I'm looking at the time. Uh, Young says about plagues, strokes and strokes of thy seed. Uh, it's translated incurable diseases, horrible epidemics. Severe and lasting plagues, chronic sicknesses, cruel diseases stretching on through long years. And then lastly, uh, it, it's translated that last verse, every kind of sickness and disaster not recorded in this book of the law and any kind of sickness or calamity not mentioned in the book of the law, we are redeemed from it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's, let's close today uh, very just quickly in Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Woo, aren't you glad for Psalm 91? Glory to God. One of my son's favorites, one of my favorites. Psalm 91. This is good news. I don't understand why this is not being preached in every church and every denomination across the land, but that's just me. Glory to God. Psalm 91. Let's start reading in verse 1. He that stop. What are the implications of he that, she that? I have to do something. Everyone say, I have to do something. He didn't say, God will no matter what you do. That's not how this psalm opens. It says, she dat. In the hip hop translation. It says, he dat. He that. So, whose job is it as we read this to make sure you qualify? Can pastor do that for you? I'm doing my part right now. Ahead of the coronavirus or whatever's coming down the pike. So you, you could, if you wanted to be reminded, write in your Bible, conditional. This means me. Well, let's look at the condition. He that, she that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So the condition is dwell Constantly 
in my presence. Now that doesn't mean you, can't, you don't ever get to go to church or go to Walmart or go to your job because you have to be in your prayer closet. That's not what that means. He means live your life as a lifestyle in constant communion and fellowship with God. You live, that means you can't live in chronic sin. You got to stop sinning because you don't experience the presence of God in sin. You have to live in His Word. You have to live in constant communion. You've got to bring the Father in on everything. And then you're going in, you're going out. You're lying down, you're rising up. God's part of everything. That is the person that is... It didn't say visiteth. It said dwelleth. Right? Oh yeah, I think about God every Sunday morning. You don't qualify. You might as well forget the rest of this chapter. But if you'll cultivate a living, abiding, uh, constant, sweet communion with the Lord, then you can claim this. And, and if, if that's not been you, can say, Father, you know what? I decide right now, that's me today. That's me today from this day forward. He that dwells in the secret place shall abide, live under the shadow of the Almighty. I will. Here's something else you got to do. You have to say it. It's not enough to pin Psalm 91 on your refrigerator. It's not going to, that verse on your refrigerator is not going to keep diseases out of your house. You've got to say it. What do you need to say? I will say of the Lord, He is, present tense, my refuge and my fortress. He is my God and in Him will I trust. Woo! What's that look like? Father, it's a new day. It's a new day and you're with me. I'm in you and you're in me. And I just want you to know, and I'm letting everything around me here, that you are my refuge. You, the God who made everything, is my fortress, my defender. He is my helper. I'm trusting in Him today. Doesn't take long, but you got to say it. And if you don't say it, you cannot have it. Amen. And if we have to do your funeral, I might put a sign on the front of your cast that said, forgot to say it. Because I'm not going to stand up there in front of your family and friends and say God took you when you forgot to say it. Do you want it? Do you want it enough to say it? Then it says, surely. Did it say maybe? If God's in a good mood that day? No, surely He shall deliver you. From the snare of the fowler. That means the bird trap the devil wants to put out there. for, And from what? Perilous pestilence. Think about what we've already talked to you about. Contagious, infectious, epidemic diseases. Delivered. He, God, shall cover you. See, I told you he had this covered. With his feathers. And under His wings shall you trust. His truth, His truth, what's that? His word shall be your shield and buckler. What's a buckler? Shield is big shield. Buckler is small shield. Amen. You shall be scared out of your wits. You shall lie down on the couch and pay Pastor Chris $100 an hour for counseling. I don't charge a dime. No, it says you shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor for the contagious, infectious, epidemic, pandemic diseases that walk in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may get it. On my left, 10,000 may get it on my right. But I will stand there in the midst of 11,000 Padukans without the coronavirus. It ain't coming near me. See, you've got to be willing to confess and believe that you will be one out of 11,000 that won't get it. If 11,000 people die of cancer, I'm never going to have it. If the devil wipes out my whole family tree, except my, kid, my, my kids, I won't let them. They're under my, 
But all my cousins and all my, you know, peeps out there, I'm still going to stand there cancer free. Because I'm living in the secret place. I don't know where you get your mail. That's where I get my mail. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. But what does it say? It shall not. It shall not. Let that go in you. It shall not come near you. Only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. See, the curse is the reward for the wicked. That's what, and you're going to have to see it and not be moved by what you see. I got all these people. Think about, it's probably what, I don't know, 140 people in here? I don't know, whatever. Think about a thousand of them lined up shoulder to shoulder going that way. You'd be off in the field out there. Now let's go 10,000 in that direction. That's a lot of people. But you've got to have the faith. I'm not buying a mask. I'm not getting it. I'm redeemed. That's what you got to believe. Christians of every stripe love this psalm. But precious few believe it. They pin it. They wink at it. When the pastor says it, they say amen. And they shout a hanky maybe. Wave a hanky. But very, very, very precious few do anything with it when they leave the church house. Very, very few are putting any living faith in what's said here. And that's why they don't walk in it. That's why they have catastrophic car accidents. Just like the world. Are you with me? All right, I'm trying to get to verse 10 where we're closing here. Only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because, uh-oh. Oh, don't skip over that word. What, is, but what are the implications, uh, Brother Greg, of the word because? Because? It says because. There's a, that means, is this just going to come on you because God's good? Or is there a because? What's because mean? Stipulation. Qualifying statement. Something I have to do. Okay, you with me on that? Okay. Because... Because, lost my verse, thou hast made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. See, that's on you. And that is on me. Don't leave the house without doing that. Verse 10. There shall one or two, maybe, there shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague. Thus the title of my sermon, no plague. No plague shall come near your dwelling. Oh, okay. That means I got to stay at home. Is that what you're saying? I got to No, no, no. It, you, could, you could think of it as your house, fine. But there's a higher way to interpret that verse. This is my dwelling on planet earth. This body is the home of my spirit. No plague, no plague shall come near my dwelling. No evil, no evil. Now you might want to write there Deuteronomy 7.15 next to that word evil. I did in my Bible. Because in Deuteronomy 7.15, God calls all disease evil. So if God made one person sick, He did an evil thing and we're serving an evil God. What are you going to do about that verse? You who believe that God puts sickness on, sometimes He just won't. Whatever. He called disease evil. Satan is evil. God is holy. God is righteous. God is loving. God is good. Disease is evil. This is no evil. No plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Hallelujah. Are you getting that? Do you get that today? Hallelujah. Some of these translations of some of these phrases... I like one says, He is saying of Jehovah. See, this is something you, you do as a lifestyle. Glory to God. He is my safe place. He is my tower of strength. 
You will have no fear of the evil things or of the disease which take men in the dark. Hallelujah. He will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases. And so no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. He will keep you from the, daily, or from the deadly plague, from the plague ravaging at noon. No devastating plague shall come. So sickness will not approach you. I like this. Contagions will not enter your rest. Hallelujah. Praise God. I challenge you to go out of here and live the rest of your life in Goshen. Go to Goshen. What in the world is he talking about? Sounds like Paducah, doesn't it? If you've never heard of Paducah before. Goshen. Remember what Goshen was? When Joseph brought his daddy and his brothers into the land of Egypt because of the famine, the good Pharaoh, the favorable Pharaoh, gave the Hebrews the land of Goshen. It was property in Egypt. It had great herds, uh, you know, great pasture grass, and it was just a wonderful place. And that's where he said, you guys go dwell in the best of my land. Go over here and dwell in Goshen. Well, 400 years later, when the evil Pharaoh was raised up, amen, when God brought him out, Pharaoh wouldn't let his people go. Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people go. And so he began to pour out plague number one and plague number two and plague number three and plague number four, amen? But in there, you'd have to look it up or get my notes after. Praise God. It says, I am going to create a division between your people, Pharaoh, and my people. All these plagues are coming on the land of Egypt, the world, but they shall not come on any that dwell in Goshen. And when the flies showed up, they couldn't get into Goshen. And when the frogs showed up, they couldn't get into Goshen. Praise God. And when the diseases and the botch and the itch and all of that tried to show up, amen. And when death showed up on the tenth plague, it couldn't get into Goshen. Hallelujah. Because God has always wanted and been willing to say, I'm going to create a dividing mark between those people and my people. We are in the world, but not of the world. Come on. So how many of you, as we get ready to go, can say, I'll not have what they're having. Come on, I'm not going to have what they're having. We love them. We're going to preach to them. Redemption's available, but you got to get into Goshen. Amen. Glory to God. Church, you're redeemed. You're redeemed from SARS. You're redeemed from the swine flu. You're redeemed from the run-of-the-mill flu. You're redeemed from coronavirus. What's that? The Zika virus. And whatever goofy, deadly thing that comes on planet Earth next. Prepare yourself now because this is mild stuff. Right? Mild stuff. People, people could be bleeding out their eyes and ears and dying before it's over. Yeah, that's what Ebola is. But I'm not getting Ebola. Oh, if I had time. Y'all stand up so you could really know I am closing. Two or three of you will be encouraged. There was a man named John G. Lake. And he was a great man of God, great man of healing. Did a lot of missionary work in Africa. And in Africa, they had the Black Plague breakout over there. And... Uh, I mean, people were dying by the millions. And, uh, but he went over there and he had a scientific background before he became a preacher. And so he kind of had that scientific mind. And he walked into one of those tents and they all had their hazmat suits on and, and their masks on and they're, they're studying this deadly plague and they got it in vials. And they're studying under microscope, trying to come up with a vaccine, trying to come up with a cure. Well, he walked in without the hazmat suit. He just walked in. And he said, uh, put, put some of that plague in a dropper and put it on my hand. They're like, what? Yeah. No deadly thing shall hurt you. That's what the Bible says. And so he stuck his hand under a microscope as they dropped the black plague in the palm of his hand. And those scientists watched the plague die in the palm of his hand. Come on. 
See, his body's full of divine life. His body's got eternal life in it, in it because his spirit is in his body. And he was so full and so saturated with that faith and knowledge and understanding of the extent to which God would keep a man in the midst of sickness and disease. That that disease, scientific fact, historical fact, died in the palm of his hand. Oh, if we could get a little of that eternal life and put it in a shrine, man, we could all be rich, right? Amen. So, Father.